Coming to you from the Eon Project Studios, overlooking the vast, pristine acreage of Primrose Village. Greetings from this hidden gem of the Blackstone Valley. You're listening to Experts of Nothing with Mike and Jay. Ooh. That sounded like a Gregorian chant. Oh, you know, we've done that before. We've had the Gregorians. Oh, no, not, not the beverage again. This is like my theme music. That's not the uh, maple butter sugar no, uh, this is thing. A plain black, and you know why? Because I figured out that the uh, last week we talked about the brown sugar cold brew, mm. and it's delicious. Uh, the sugar content in those is uh, ridiculous. Way too high. Ridiculously high. So I'm, I went back to the black, black coffee. Just straight black. Straight black. That's the way you like them. Hey, you know what? I heard a great piece of advice in a movie once. What's that? Uh, do you remember the movie Passenger Fifty Seven with uh, Wesley, Wesley Snipes? Snipes? Yeah. And he said, "Do you play roulette?" And he goes, the bad guy goes, occasionally. And he goes, here's a word of advice. Always bet on black. Wesley Snipes said that. Wesley Snipes said I'll that. I'll go say it's okay then. That makes it cool. Because he said it. You know what happened to Wesley Snipes? He was like one of the most uh, He was one of the most famous action stars of the uh, 90s. Well, he got into some trouble with the, with the IRS. Yeah, but before that, like he uh, fell off the face of the earth. Apparently, uh, I heard they're making a, another Blade movie. Did you like Blade, the first one? Yeah, it was all right. I thought it was pretty good. It had Steven Dorff in it. Steven Dorff. Yep. Which I don't remember him in anything else, but he was pretty good in that movie. He played he played the king of the vampire guys. That's right, he did. Speaking anyway. of crazy uh, vampires, I had a weird dream the other night. Uh oh, it had Kim Kardashian in it. Well, and and here's what it was. It wasn't anything too weird. <laughs> it, well, it was. Kanye. I shouldn't say that. It was weird. It wasn't any kind of sexual dream. Oh, it wasn't. No, that's disappointing. No, she she came over to my house to show me no, how to properly use and show me all the features of my latest smartphone. Why did Kim Kardashian have to show you how to use your smartphone? I don't know. She sat down and she showed me how to do all the different things on it. And, and it wasn't me how to a sexual it. dream at all? No. That's odd. You know what? We talked about this off the air, but I think we should have a dream analysis show. What I know. We should, what we should do is find one of our listeners who is a dream analysis expert. Uh, we have a lot of listeners from uh, very, various mm. areas of the world. And you know what? I also re- realized that we've we've stopped giving out our email address. We did uh, because no one ever emails us. But I let don't me know give why. it out. Let me give it out now. Right, give it out. Give it's it out. called the Eon Project. That's T H E E O N Project at yahoo.com. You can also get hold of us on Twitter and on Facebook. Uh, we don't hear from our fans uh, or or li- I shouldn't call them fans because a lot of people don't like us, but they listen anyway. Here's a we'll challenge. Call we'll call it the Eon Project email challenge. Ooh. The first person to send the Eon Project an email from uh, after listening to this program. Uh-oh. Will win something. Get something <laughs> of some kind. We'll come up with something. We don't have an idea. We just came up with this just now. Mm. So, what was last week's program? Uh, last the last week, program. I the should last say. program that we had, we discussed. Um, uh, you had mysterious people. Oh yes. Yeah, we talked about uh, the babushka lady. That's right. We talked about uh, who that else? was a while ago. Yeah. Well, well, you had a, we had a vacation in there. I did. And then uh, you know, every once in a while, we do need to take a break from the grueling Eon Project production schedule you know people don't realize how, how much we put into this program yeah well actually believe it or not there are some things that are happening behind the scenes if you are a fan of the eon project we have some exciting things in the works that we exciting. Can't, can't really reveal too much not now. too much now uh but we do have something exciting that we are we're going to be transforming from just a podcast to potentially other things and I'll maybe I'll, we'll leave it at that. Mm. We we were going to be transitioning to a more visual. Have you transitioned? Modem. Have you started the hormones yet? I'm still in the closet. Okay. Anyway, so this week's episode. What are we talking about this week? We got a couple of different things, uh, but but the uh, the the theme of this week's program is going to be uh, places, geographic places that mm-hmm. have lots of strange things that go on. Mm. So that cross the spectrum of strange happenings. Strange happenings. 
that cross the spectrum of the strange and, and, and exotic and erotic, not erotic, world. And we're, not, we're not just talking about the Mike's bathroom. Here. No, the strange things happen there. Which reminds me, <clears throat> something happened to me recently. Mm-hmm. I heard, I heard uh, so let me ask you this first. If you are in a, in a public place, say a restaurant of some kind, okay, and you need to relieve yourself, uh-huh. but you don't know the location of the restroom, or you right. don't know the location of the place where you want to relieve yourself, right? Oh, okay. And you're forced to ask somebody, an employee. Well, there's where you went wrong already. Well, just for... Because I would never ask. For argument's sake. I just wander around if I find it. For argument's sake, you have to ask someone. Okay. What would you call the facility that you go, go into to relieve yourself? Like I, if you said, hey, can you tell me where the so-and-so is? I would say restroom. Restroom. I think that's what I normally say. So I was at a uh, a weird restaurant. What well, uh, kind of a weird restaurant? Yeah, well, I'm gonna, I'll get to that in a second. This what was it? Next. Was it the clam boat? No, it wasn't the clam boat. <laughs> and and this this strange gentleman went up to one of the employees, and I heard him overheard. Oh, you overheard this. Because I always you. listen to people. Right. He said, excuse me, where is the washroom? The washroom? The washroom. Like where they wash the dishes? No, so he said, where's the washroom? I wouldn't know what that meant. I don't either. What, the, he meant the bathroom. He meant I'm the assuming. bathroom because that's where the he went. The washroom. Yes, I, I thought you were going to say the water closet because that's mm. what they call it in England. I see. So we have we have we do have listeners in Great Britain. So that's what you guys call it. I, I don't know what they call it in Australia. In France, it would be the WVC. The WVC. <laughs> anyway, um, so this is the rest of the kind of restaurant we're in. Have you ever heard of? And this is probably why the guy the guy talked like that and asked for the washroom. Okay. You ever heard of a tapas bar or a tapas restaurant? Um, I have. I don't think I've ever been in one. That, that means like the small plates, right? Like the small foods. It's basically just a Which fancy ex- way of, of saying expensive appetizers. Okay. That, that's all it is. That makes sense. That's why I wouldn't go there. But all these fancy uh, f- people go in there and they're like... <laughs> fancy people? <laughs> you know what I mean? Are they all dressed ostentatiously? <laughs> I was forced to go in there. Uh, when we were on vacation, and they serve uh, bits of tree bark and uh, you're, you're nuts and you were forced to go in there by strange whom? things by whom uh, this guy named Terry. <laughs> anyway, you went to the you went to the tapas so he's restaurant. Like, uh, I'm at the tapas bar, and mm. I'm going to the washroom pa- at the tapas. Pardon uh, me. I'm going to be. Uh, I'm going to pay way too much money for this hand dipped chicken breast. Do you have any handcrafted brews? Nothing that is macro in nature. Something that only uh, three cans have ever been uh, canned. And there's a piano and people eating dinner on the piano. What? Yeah. They were eating dinner on the piano? Yes. What? The only cool thing about it was an old uh, 18th century farmhouse that they converted. Other than that... You know what bothers me at restaurants? I'm sorry we're getting off uh, the topic, but we always always do this. Is when you ever go in restaurants and you want to order something, it's usually seafood related... And it says market price. Mm. I never order that because what if the market like tanked overnight and I didn't know? And suddenly the the swordfish that uh, yesterday was twenty dollars is now thirty seven thousand dollars. I wouldn't know because and then I have to pay it because I already ate it. You can't do market you can't price. Do that. You can't. You have to have the prices uh, uh, specifically outlined. No, they on don't. The menu. They say market price. Well, they can manipulate that whatever they want. That's right. They're gonna take advantage of me. What if the What if the guy woke up one day and he said, "Hey, listen, uh, we're gonna raise the price of this." Uh, Especially on that guy over these, there. Uh, of this hummus. <laughs> I like, oh, speaking of hummus, you like hummus? I love hummus. It's not bad, I guess. You know what? I overate some hummus uh, last week. Did it give you the runs? It did. And uh, <laughs> it, it was it was actually quite painful. And uh, it was the hot red pepper hummus. Mm, mm. So I paid for that in spades. What do you eat the hummus with? Uh, like pita chips. Oh, some sort okay. of Some sort of rigid chip. You so, can't use like a, you can't use like a potato chip or no, anything no. like that. It's got to be like a, something that has some... Uh, some tension. It has some to be able to hold to it. its form. It has to be able to go in. And then you know what? Uh, when you break a chip, let me ask you this: mm. If you're eating a dip, right, mm-hmm. and you go to dip it and you break the chip, yes, 
What is the proper way to retrieve said chip? So I get a, uh, I dig, I get a rescue chip. You get a recon chip. I get a rescue chip. chip. I take there. that out of the bag and I and I, <laughs> I double finger the bottom of the rescue chip. Yes. So it doesn't collapse under its own weight. No, you got to send them in there. And yeah. I scoop out the uh, the broken chip. The rescue specialist. That's we, right. We thank those chips for their service. That, that, that's the that's the proper way to do it if you're in a social environment. If I'm home, I just stick my stick fingers, your fingers in it. <laughs> anyway, all right. So we're gonna get into the topic, but we do have a halfway bit. Oh uh, yeah, this is something special. very special today. Actually, I see before, and I don't know what we're gonna do because yep. this is a mystery to me. But I see mm. that there is a third microphone that has been set up here in the Eon Project Studios, and I'm not quite sure what it's for, but that's I'm right. assuming it's for the halftime show. That's right. Okay, that that sounds. That's good. all I'm gonna say for now. All right. You want to go first? Yes, I'm gonna go. All so, right. what if I told you? That there was a place in the United States of America that was a hotbed of not only UFO activity, but also has multiple reports of ghosts, werewolves, shapeshifters, poltergeists, and assorted other weirdness that's going on. Wouldn't that be something that you'd want to learn about? Well, you're going to learn about it doubly today. You're going to learn about it whether you like it or not. You're going to get a whole load of learning Mm. today. Anyway, the place I'm going to talk about... Is called the Skinwalker Ranch, and that has nothing to do with what you do on weekends uh, around your home, uh, walking around naked, which is what I think of when I hear Skinwalker. Oh. But anyway, the Skinwalker Ranch has become somewhat of a legend in the paranormal world due to a number of different reports and other associated variety of activities that supposedly are experienced there, which I didn't know much about this before I started uh, researching for this program, so Mm -hmm. I I learned a lot myself. It's in a uh, remote location in Utah in the... Uh, near Ballard, which are you familiar with Ballard, the hotbed of Ballard, Utah? Ballard, Utah. No, but I like Utah. I think I'd like to go to Utah. I've been someday. to Utah. Have, have you? Yeah. Have you swam in the Great Salt Lake? Oh, I drove right by and it. It's medicinal properties. No, I drove by it, and I went to a place uh, where they they had uh, the Olympic Games, which was in Park City, Utah. Oh yeah. I actually went there for some for for business. I'm a businessman, a traveling businessman, mm. and I went there. It was actually a really nice spot. But anyway, so the Skinwalker Ranch is located. Near Ballard, Utah, it's a 480-acre piece of property, which is pretty large. And it's called the Skinwalker Ranch because of a few different reasons. It's, it's, that's what it's known as. It's actually not the name of the property. Um, the name Skinwalker, also known as a Lucan or Wendigo, actually comes from an ancient Native American tradition that holds that there are people with a supernatural ability to turn into any animal that they desire. Did you know that? Yep. The ability to be a shapeshifter is usually given to the shaman or medicine man and is done through rituals and ceremonies where the skins of wolves or bears are worn, and the individual changes into that beast. So oh. you want to be whatever, you got to put the put the skin on you. I see. And then you uh, you take the medicines and whatnots, and then you turn into it. There have also been accounts of shaman creating, you know what a salve is? Like a salve? Like uh, a, a balm? Ba- like a balm, yeah. Like a balm. Consisting of peyote and other natural substances that they rub on their bodies, and it gives them the ability to not only change into whatever animal they want to, but also fly. Oh. Which, you know what, you take enough pe- peyote, I bet you do you feel be like flying. you're flying. So, um, the shaman usually chooses the skin of a coyote or wolf in order to make this desired change. So, that's where the name Skinwalker comes from. Okay. So, that's how this place got the name. Because there are many, many stories about half men, half animals roaming around the area. No idea what they're doing. They're just roaming around. They're said to emit loud and strange noises, not unlike uh, what you've had when you've had too much to drink and you decide that Mexican food at 3 a.m. is a is a good mm, idea. No. Strange noises come come from your uh, never bad, ne- ne- never good. Regions. I should say no. Three a.m. burritos, gas yeah. station burritos, <laughs> or gas station sushi. Even better. Not much is known about this ranch uh, up until the 1990s. A family by the name of the Sherman family owned the ranch and started reporting strange phenomenon taking place there. 
Early reports included strange portals appearing in the air above the ranch. When was this? This is the 90s. Okay. 1990s. Strange portals appearing in the air, cattle disappearing and being mutilated, strange symbols appearing on the ground, like uh, un- not unlike crop circles, mm-hmm. objects moving on their own as if moved by unseen spirits, strange magnetic properties and electrical interference, and so on and so forth. So there's a lot of different... A lot of different things going on there. So, yeah, you gotta, you're, you're crossing the paranormal realms here. Mm. And it was also right around this time that there was an incident which led to the, the actual naming of the ranch, as the so it's known as the Skinwalker Ranch. A local farmer... Who was tending to his farmer duties? Which nobody. What does farmer do all day? Farmer do well. He gets up early. You know, he goes. Uh, he feeds the milks uh, things. The livestock. He milks the chickens. He scoops up the manure. Yep. Uh, you know, makes sure that the uh, the crops are in order. Why do they call it manure? They just call it poop. Manure. It's poop. Anyway, this local farmer was tending to his farmer duties when he saw a large animal that he described as being an abnormal, abnormally large wolf. Okay. Attacking a calf. Whoa! He's going after it. There are some pretty big wolves out there. Yeah, so we're going to get to that in a minute. Don't jump ahead. Oh. So this farmer shot at this thing multiple times, and he swears that he hit it, but his rounds had no effect, and the thing just kind of meandered away without any indication that it had been wounded. Hmm. So he, the, because that story makes it out, there's some sort of bulletproof giant wolf wandering around. What kind of weapon was he using? Um, it, I didn't get that. Oh. Probably some sort of uh, ranch rifle, if I had like to guess. Like a 30-odd 6? Yeah. Or a 30 Give a shot 30. of 30 odd six. Those are cool. Oh, yeah. 30 30, something like that. You know what the odd six is? Well, I uh, remember back in odd four, <laughs> I was a, a shoe salesman wandering around the Midwest. 30 caliber, year of 1906. Thank you. All right. But before that, even before any of this stuff happened, there were multiple reports of UFO activity in this area, including local papers, which published accounts of dome shaped aircraft floating about. Mm. In addition to that, the Ute Indian tribe. You're familiar with the Utes? Do you know how bad I want to see a UFO? Yeah? Yeah. Well, because you want to, you won't. Probably not. That's how that works. The Ute Indian tribe has a long oral oral tradition about the area. No pun intended. Stating that shapeshifters and evil wendigos wander this area. So you've got a lot of different you know, different reports at this time. And uh, like I said, UFOs, you got, you got cryptozoology, right. you got um, strange magnetic activities, and all sorts of craziness. In the late 1990s, a rich person with lots of free time by the name of Robert Bigelow. Oh, it sounds like a rich person. Yeah. Do you remember oh, Bam Bam Bigelow? I do remember Bam Bam Bigelow. He, he had flame tattoos on his head. He did. He was, was, a, he was a large man. He, th- he, he then later became Hakeem. He did? Yes. He was transformed from... Oh, no. No, no, no. That no. was the one-man gang. Yes. The one-man gang was transformed No, Bam Bam was Hakeem. just Bam Bam. Bam Bam Bigelow. Is he dead? He must be I, I think dead. he died of a massive coronary. You know, I got confused between Bam Bam Bigelow and King Kong Bundy. They're kind of similar in shape and, and girth. <laughs> anyway, sorry for that. Uh, the revision. So anyway, the late 1990s, this rich guy named Robert Bigelow, who had recently formed a science-based paranormal investigation group called the National Institute for Discovery Science, which sounds rather impressive, oh. purchased the property and immediately began to investigate the various claims of weirdo activity. And because he was a millionaire, he had all sorts of funds and resources. He staffed the place with, with people like cared. Caregiver, caregivers, caretakers, and yeah. investigators and stuff. Staffed the place with people 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, and he erected a bunch of observation towers with cameras and other evidence-gathering equipment. And, uh, you know, to k- kind of keep an eye on the area and Were stuff Ed like Lorraine that. Were Warren part of this? Nope. Oh, all right. Anyway, so um, he began about an eight-year-long investigation. Wow. <laughs> That's a really long time. Then suddenly, after eight years of investigation... Bigelow and his team pulled up stakes and abandoned the property, and they left everything. I just bumped the mic. They left everything kind of where it was, so you can actually still go and see 
the observation towers and junks and whatnots there. Now, some people think that he stopped this uh, endeavor because he simply never found anything. However, the conspiratorially minded argue that perhaps he found too much evidence. I see. Or that somehow he is tied to a government cover-up of the goings-on at the Skinwalker Ranch. That's possible. Well, here's some adve- here's some uh, intelligence uh, to, to prove that theory. There are some strange ties between Bigelow and the government, believe it or not. In 2007, shortly after he stopped investigating at the Skinwalker Ranch, he got a Pentagon contract, $22 million actually, to study advanced aerial threats, including some that remain unidentified. Oh. So he get he gets this huge government contract to investigate UFOs, essentially. I think this is the same guy that invented Bigelow green tea. No, but I like Bigelow tea. You ever have that? No. It's the official tea of the Boston Red Sox. Yeah. They talk about it all the time. Oh, Bigelow green tea. I have my Bigelow tea, and it keeps me from having phlegm. Anyway, around the same time, 2008, Bigelow created a new company called Bigelow Advanced Aerospace Space Studies, a subsidiary of Bigelow Aerospace. Oh. So did he, in fact, uncover some compelling evidence of UFO activity, and in order to keep him quiet, he was paid by the government in enormous in enormous contracts to keep it quiet? Is mm, that, is probably that a not. The probably, government probably would have just killed him because they're cheap. That's what I thought. They wouldn't just give him all this money, right? Unless it was unless he had proof that other people had as well, you know. And, and oh, I see. So if you kill him, that they release. Uh, you oh, know, gotcha. You, you've seen spy movies yeah, before. I have. What's wrong with you? Also strange about Bigelow around this time, he made contact with members of MUFON. You ever hear of MUFON? The yeah, Mu- the uh, Mutual UFO Network. That's correct. He made contact with members of the MUFON and offered to fund research into MUFON activities. But evidently, the investigators from MUFON quickly became suspicious of his motives and ended the relationship. Oh. Was he intervening on behalf of the government to infiltrate MUFON? Oh, he was a, uh, yeah, he was a, uh, uh, what do they call that? A plant? A plant? A maturing candidate like Donald Trump is for the Russians? Maybe. Also weird, Bigelow is reported to have been part of the 1980s Defense Intelligence Agency's remote viewing program where people with supposed psychic abilities were tested to see if they could remotely view other parts of the world. Remember that that yeah. whole thing you could... I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say, um, we, we never talked about that on the show, but that's actually, it, that was a government-sponsored, a CIA-sponsored right. program where they were taking people uh, and trying to harness the powers of remote viewing to spy on other countries. That's correct, and this, this guy Bigelow was also heavily involved in that program. Today, so getting past this guy, Weirdo Bigelow, which I don't like the name Bigelow, I won't say it again, Bigelow. So today, the Skinwalker Ranch is once again in private hands and has become a hotbed of paranormal investigations, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. where people are tramping around the place looking for evidence of UFOs or werewolves or who knows what else. Right. And actually, there was even a movie made about the Skinwalker Ranch recently, which I did not see. Was it called uh, Skinwalker Ranch, the movie? It may have been. Oh. So what's the deal with this place? Could it be like a portal to some kind of other world or dimension? Or perhaps more credibly, its remote area provides a great place to conduct secret military experiments that would result in sightings of experimental craft, uh, strange magnetic properties, mm. if they're testing weapons, um, you know, junk like that. But what about the werewolves? Um, we've talked about unnaturally large animals being mistaken for supernatural beings in the past. Remember we talked about the, the Beast of Vauban, right. which was in France, right. which turned out to be just like this enormous A giant wolf. wolf. Right. So what the heck's going on at the Skinwalker Ranch? A lot of different things going on there. Well, there's a lot of uh, Native Americans. There's a lot of uh, strange uh, herbal uh, herbal teas. ingestions that are taking place. Mm-hmm. You know, there could be possibly some natural magnetic properties uh, yeah. uh, concentrated there that are having an effect. Because if you if you expose yourself to electromagnetic fields for long periods of time, you large start ones to feel weird. Your brain starts to turn to scrambled eggs, and you start seeing stuff. And well, even in small doses, I mean, I know that uh, we've talked about. Uh, 
you ever heard the term the fear cage? You ever mm, hear that? Sure. It's when you're when you're in an area that has, like you said, high high levels of electromagnetic energy. Whether it's, uh, you know, maybe you're near a transformer or right. some sort of large electrical equipment, and you walk by and suddenly you feel dizzy and maybe a little nauseous and stuff like that. Some people mistake that for otherworldly. Right. So there could be there could be a very natural explanation for for some of this stuff. Who knows? Maybe it's supernatural in nature. But I will tell you this. Speaking of turning my brains to scrambled eggs, are you done with that? Or yeah, I'm done with it. There's this uh, documentary that I watched recently. It's called Demon House. Oh yes, have the, you seen this? The Zach Bagans documentary. Is it Bagans or Baggins? I think he says Bagans. Does he? Baggins he, is Bilbo Baggins. Yeah, the guy no, he's that, the guy from Ghost Adventures, and he did this documentary about a uh, yeah. supposedly this very haunted uh, house in Gary, Indiana. Yes, as a matter of fact, uh, the the, uh, the Demon House documentary is now available on Amazon Prime for free. Mm. So if you have Amazon Prime, so you can check it out. I don't know what to really make of this. Yeah, well, maybe you want to give a little background on, on the, the case itself? Well, I or? mean, it's it was a uh, it was a haunted house, apparently, and, and the documentary is that Zach Baggins goes there. Well, you want to give before that. So, um, there was reports from a family that lived in this house in Gary, Indiana, and it looks like a very nondescript small house, and it's in an urban area. So it's, mm-hmm. not like, it's not like a deserted farmhouse or anything like that. It's like right in the middle of everything. Um, and this family was reporting lots and lots of... Uh, strange and supposedly demonic activity and possession activity and stuff like that. So Zach Bagans bought this property mm-hmm. sight unseen yes. on the phone so he could conduct his experimentations. And I'm sorry, go ahead. Go back to No, no, it must be, must be nice to be able to just do that. Have well, the sure. money to do that. <laughs> I'm just going to buy this house. But anyway, so he, he went, out the, went out there with the express purpose of documenting these events to see if there was uh, any truth to them. And supposedly... All these strange shenanigans were taking place. Yeah. And even the local police were involved. The police were involved. In this, which I found to be very odd. As a matter of fact, yeah, the movie shows that the police captain yes. was was uh, reporting all sorts of strange activity. But you know what? After seeing an interview with that police captain, you start wondering about the level of law enforcement and, and The other officers, that they, they go to this person's house. There's not even any crime or anything. <laughs> and they're in this lady's basement digging in the dirt. And they, they found, ooh, they found a Lee Presson nail. They did. They found and, a Lee uh, Presson nail. I don't know. It, it's kind of outlandish. Yeah, but you know what? If, if it is fake, right? Let's yeah. say it's fake or, or hyped up. Why is the police department involved? Well, that's so what you I'm, think that that would be... That's what I'm saying. I think the, I think the government needs to go there immediately. <laughs> And take control of the city and the department, because clearly they're not in the right state of mind to be running the law enforcement operations no. in Gary, Indiana. Some of those folks... Anyway, if you're interested at all in this story, it's actually a pretty well-done documentary, uh, up until there's parts where it looks like some bad acting takes over. Sure. Uh, some attempts to dramatize events, and although it's p- passed off as being real, they never actually say, this is all real. Like You know what I'm saying? So mm. I think they take some artistic license with things, and... And just kind of make it more interesting for the program. I think there's a couple things going on there. I think there's there's the the power of suggestion, yeah, and, which can overtake people at times. And I think there's the power of uh, deception at the same time. I think yeah. there's just a combination of different things going on. Well, early in the, and not, I'm not giving anything away if you watch the, if you watch this movie, but um, early in the movie, you you find out that there there are some attempts to. Um, monetize this mm-hmm. story, and you know, for films and for other. So then you start. You start questioning everything that they said before that and after that because now you have um, many, many thousands or millions of dollars that are going to be promised to the people who who experience this stuff. So then you start going, well, then right. is it real or are they just saying this so they can get, get money? Who so it, it just lends itself to something that we talked about the last program, and that is credibility, yes. uh, integrity, and things of that sort. You start faking one thing and then the sure. rest of it goes goes down the drain. I mean, some of the things were so... Over the top. Over the top. Just like and if these things were actually happening to people, <laughs> well, you they know, would be more uh, 
you know, more documentation, more uh, research into this sort of well, thing. Well, I know we didn't plan on co- covering this story in depth, and I know you just mentioned it, but, but one of the things that did, did take place, um, supposedly Zach Bagans becomes overcome, over, uh, overcome with uh, feelings of anger, and he's possessed somehow, and mm. he goes after one of the crew members. Yeah. But you can... If you've ever seen an assault take place in real life, that's not what that ha- that's not what that is. <laughs> right. He just kind of like pushes them a little bit yeah. and makes faces, and you're like, "This is this is." Ridiculous. And one thing that we, Mike and I, you know, have experience in, and I'm sure, sure some of you others do as well. It's um, observ- obs- observations of human behavior. Sure. In other words, like watching somebody to determine, you what know, they're gonna do. what their actions and their <laughs> movements are are basically telling about themselves and what they're going to do or what right. they have done in the past. Right. It's unnatural. Mm. I mean, some of the some of the, the the way that these people move, like they'll be just walking, and then all of a sudden, you know, the narrator will say, "Oh, you know, so and so was overcome by anger," and then you see the person just right. stop and they look around. They almost say, "I'm overcome with anger." Yeah, it, it's it's just not uh, it's not natural. And you know, we've we've had our own experience with that sort of thing too. So. Well, I was just gonna say we, we've we've run into that in person where. Uh, somebody will be perfectly fine, and then they realize there's a camera there, and then all of a sudden they're overcome with emotion and have to make faces and stuff. They'll be walking by the camera, and as soon as they come <laughs> within its within its frame, they're like, oh! Anyway, that's yeah. the deep Demon House. Check it out if you want. Yeah, please watch it and just draw your own conclusion. And you know, we'd like to hear your feedback too. If you if you watch Demon House and and have an opinion about it, send it send it our way. Send it to the Eon Project at yahoo.com or on Twitter, or on Facebook, and we'll talk about it on the show. And it's funny, because we've talked about some haunted houses in Indiana before. It's a, a state with uh, yeah. tremendous well, supernatural it's the, stories. It's in the middle of the country, you mm-hmm. know, it's the, middle, the heartland of America, if you will. Mm-hmm. And actually, uh, that has some ties to what we discussed earlier, we teased earlier about mm-hmm. potential future projects with the Eon Project. That's correct. Maybe we have to change our name. What do you want to change it to? I don't know. We can take suggestions on that, too. Indi- Indiana Corn Boys. <laughs> How's that sound? Cornhole Boys. <laughs> All right, we're, well, we're just about at the halfway point of the program. Uh-oh. And what we're going to do is, because um, I'll reveal this to Mike. We have a special guest coming in. I can tell. We have a special guest, and um, we're going to put Mike through the ringer here oh, against this special guest. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick 30-second uh, break, uh, and we're going to compose ourselves, and we're going to set up for the next bit. Okay. So stand by. All right, so we have a new bit here today on the program, and we have a special guest who Yay. is coming to the studio to, to participate. Okay. Say hello to the studio audi- or to the uh, audience. Hello. Who is this? Your son. <laughs> You're not supposed to tell him that. You're not supposed to. You're say. Supposed to just say I found some random boy wandering on the streets. <laughs> All right, so this is a new game. This is a new game. So Mike always puts me in on, uh, through the ringer with his trivia contest. Well, introduce your son. You can tell everybody who he is. Well, I tried to, but he's uh, he, he's being silly. What's your name? Say, it. tell him everybody. Connor. What- Connor? Is that Connor with a K or Connor with a Q? You know, wasn't Connor the name of the guy in Highlander? That was uh that was uh Connor McCloud. Connor McCloud, that can be only one. Of the clan McCloud. Of the clan McCloud. I love that movie. Actually that guy Christopher Lambert was is French. Yes, he is. They're going to be rebooting that, I heard. Oh, they're rebooting it? Yeah, the, of course, Sean Connery won't participate because no. he's long. Well, he's not dead, he's but very he's very old. old. <laughs> he's very old. All right, so the name, of this, the name of this contest is Old Guy Who Went to College a Lot and Got Himself a Degree versus uh, a Young Boy Who's Going to Be Going to the Sixth Grade and We'll See Who's Smarter. I bet he is. That's the name of the, uh, that's the, name of the game. So we have, 
We have several uh, trivia questions here. Oh gosh. We have eleven of them actually. Okay. So we can't. We won't land on an even number. And I don't know end. what any of these are. You don't know. Nobody knows what they are. You're gonna keep score. And I'm gonna keep tally. So the way this is gonna work is I'm gonna answer the que- ask the question, okay. and if you know the answer, put your hand up quickly, and I will call on you. Okay, and then so the other, the other person gets to steal. It requires, uh, it requires some. Okay, got it. Some uh, muscular coordination. Uh, he's gonna win. All right, so here we go. So right. Here's the first question. Ready? Here we go. Which is the largest state in the United States? Oh, Connor's hand went up first, and the bell went off. That was interesting. All right, what's the answer, Connor? Alaska. Alaska. That's number one. One point for Connor. Keep track of your uh, your score. You got it. All right, you ready? I didn't get a chance. Question two. Which famous document starts with, when in the course of human events, Mike? The Declaration of Independence. That's correct. Ah! One to one. Next. Who said these words? I am the President of the United States, and I'm not going to eat any more broccoli. Connor. Nixon. Nope. Mike. Uh, That would be George H. Walker Bush. Well, George Bush. You're correct. Yeah, the first George. Okay. George H. Walker. Gotcha. Yeah. All right, two to one. <laughs> Next question. Got it. Geography. Dover is the capital of which state? Connor. Colorado. No. No. Delaware. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Don't yell into the mic. All right. I'm winning by a lot. No, it's three to one. It's three to one. Yep. Which spacecraft took the first man to the moon? Connor. Apollo 11. Yes. Yes. He got it. He did. Three to two. Well, All right, here we go. This is a uh, entertainment question. In the movie Finding Nemo, what kind of fish is marlin? Clownfish. Oh, oh man, yeah. he tied it up. He did. Three wow. to three. Oh, this is close. Oh, this is another good one. This is uh, this is um, biology. Okay. Which is the deadliest snake in the world? Oh gosh, Connor. Black mamba. Oh, <laughs> I did, correct I did, again. I didn't know that. <laughs> Four to three. See where your college degree gets you? It's getting me nothing. Whose face is on a dime? Mike. Uh, that would be Franklin Delano Roosevelt. That's correct. Four to four. Wow, this is a heated contest. Oh, I have to try. It's tied up. This is tough. Are you getting nervous? Yeah. All I right. want to get beat. Which country has the largest area of land? Mike. China. Wrong. Oh, oh, oh. Steel. Russia. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Steel. He stole. <laughs> Five to four. All right, here we go. In which hand is the Statue of Liberty's torch? Connor. Left. Wrong. No, no. Right. <laughs> five to five, right? Long five round. to five. Five to five. So okay. this is the last question, oh. and then there's a bonus question. You have a drum roll? All right, here we go. This is another biology question. What animal was believed to be a cross between a camel and a leopard? Dum, da, dum. Camel and a leopard? Oh, this is a tricky one, eh? Connor? A horse. Nope. Uh, Go ahead. I don't know. You don't know? <laughs> no. That would be a giraffe. Oh, really? Yeah. Did I don't you make know. that up? First I heard of that. You made that up. All right, so it's oh, tied. We have oh, a tie game. Tie game, extra innings. This is the bonus question. This is for all the marbles. Sudden death overtime. You ready? Ready. Yeah. Ready. Suspense is building. <laughs> what U.S. president could write Latin with one hand and Greek with the other at the same time? Connor. Garfield. That is correct! Oh my god! I had no idea. <laughs> I would have never got that. And Connor is the sixth grade wow. trivia champion of the world. Very smart. You know, interestingly, uh, I was just watching a documentary about Garfield. 
Did you know he could have gone down as one of the greatest presidents ever? You don't really hear about him too much. Aside from he was only in office for 200 shot. days. That's right, he yeah, was assassinated. James Garfield. So it's very interesting. Well, Connor, good job. Hey, excellent game. We have a prize waiting for you in the uh, basement in the, by the uh, oil tank. We're by the oil in drum. the basement. <laughs> so, good job and congratulations. Congratulations, We're Connor. already in the basement. Well fought. Thank you. Do you want to say anything as you part? Okay, that's it. <laughs> All right, so he did a good job. Yeah, he did. That was actually really hard. Well, some of the questions were easy, but some of them were really... And he knew them, so good for him. You see what 42 years and a college degree will get you? Two college degrees. Two of them. Yeah. Get you nothing. Overpriced, overpaid. I'm still paying. Worthless. You know what I do for college? I just make up a diploma on uh, Photoshop. You can, do that. you can do that. And I hand it to people. Yeah, you just walk around handing it tell out. them I'm a proctologist. Many, many years of practical uh, experience. <laughs> and you seldom need more than your finger. Okay, so what's next? Uh, your turn. Oh, I'm getting into my topic. Yeah, your turn. My, my topic is actually very similar to the Skinwalker Ranch. Skinwalker Ranch. Skinwalker. But sounds, it's like, not... sounds like Luke Skywalker, except different. Your, yours actually has a, uh, uh, a, better, a better name than mine does. Oh. Mine isn't nearly as cool as Skinwalker Ranch, but it's a place called Chestnut Ridge. Chestnut Ridge? It, it actually, sounds like a place that makes ice cream. Either that or it sounds like a battle of World War, during World War II. Yeah, but it sounds more like ice cream. So like I had a, a chestnut ridge maple pecan. Oh, I had the uh, pistachio and crazy vanilla meatball. Who eats pistachio ice cream? Ice cream? You ever see it's green? It's weird. You Nobody know, eats that. You know, I had a pistachio iced coffee recently. Did you? I don't like pistachios. And, uh, it was actually pretty good. I don't like pistachios. I just, you know what I like about the pistachio ice cream is the ice cream, not the pistachio. Here's a weird question: yeah. How come pistachios are red sometimes? Well, it's the dye that they put on them. Why do they put a dye on them? Well, you know, for a color and flavor. That's stupid. Make it make it the way that the nut looks. A, a natural nut. You're, when, you're, I put, when I put nuts in my mouth, I want them to be natural. You want all natural, smooth nuts. Smooth nuts in my mouth. So mine is, the, we're going to talk about the mysteries of Chestnut Ridge. Okay? Yeah, ready to go. All right. So as we know, throughout the course of human history, and as Mike stated earlier, as a matter of fact, there are places in the universe and places on Earth that we don't fully understand. Right. It's a place where the veil between reality and the supernatural are thin. Oh, the veil. And you can penetrate the veil with the utmost fervor. As thin as our level of intelligence. That's correct. So as we know, there, there's these strange portals across the planet. Yes. As Mike described earlier. So, you know, some of these are, you know, the Nazca Line, some think, in Peru... Uh, Bermuda Triangle, which we haven't really talked about much on the program, but we've all heard of the Bermuda Triangle with some strange shenanigans taking place there. Shenaniganry. The Devil's Triangle as well, yes. which is a similar location. But today we're going to talk about Chestnut Ridge, yeah. which is... It's going to come up with a better name yeah, for it. it sounds then. happy. It sounds yeah, like a happy, does. fun place. It does. I told you. Ice cream, maybe, maybe some mini golf. I'm going to go ride the teacups some at Chestnut bat, Ridge. Some batting cages. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So that's today's location, and it's located in southwest Pennsylvania. Okay. So if there's any Pennsylvania people out there, what would they be called? Pennsylvanians? Pennsylvanians. Uh, it's southwest of uh, Pittsburgh. Hey, where do pencils go on vacation? Pennsylvania. <laughs> you know, Pits uh, Pennsylvania has some of the weirdest and most annoying accents uh, around. Pennsylvania does? Yeah. Like I, the, I the Philadelphia and the Pittsburgh accents. They're, they're, they're different, but they're the same, and they're both strange. I don't know much about those. You don't know anything about that? No. Okay, so it's in the western. It's the western ridge of the Appalachian Mountains. Oh, you know the Appalachians, and it, it finds its way from Pennsylvania, goes down into West Virginia. We all know the strange portals that occur in West Virginia. West Virginia, and it was actually a mountain a, mama, the scene of some early farming communities and things of that sort. Country road. Why are you interrupting me with John Denver? Because it's about West Virginia, and that's a, it's a natural segue. 
So this is a place of all kinds of strange happenings, strange phenomenons. This is the the, the pinnacle, if you will, of uh, uh, or conflagration. Is that a word? Conflagration. Conflagration. That means like a fire. Oh, it does. Yeah, you mean What's... like you mean a confluence, which confluence things confluence. coming together. See, my education has paid off. Paid off. You're you're a wordsmith. Totally worth it. Strange phenomena such as Bigfoot, Bigfoot sightings, many Bigfoot sightings, aliens, oh. Thunderbirds. Ooh. Which are gigantic, unexplained. Uh, we don't. We foul. never talked about Thunderbirds on the show. Nope. Dogmen. Oh. Uh Dogmen. Pig ladies. I've I've dated a few. All kinds of strange things. So the first reported cases basically go back to the late 1800s, mm-hmm. uh, when you know obviously newspapers were uh, pretty prevalent back then. Uh, that's really the only. That's the only way you get news. The only course of uh, uh, media. Uh, you Outlets and things of that sort would be the newspapers. Yes, no internet web. No, no, no you, no, no webs. So there's tons and tons of UFO uh, cases, spot, uh, UFOs spotted in the area. Mm-hmm. And all, a lot of them by, uh, you know, credible, credible witnesses. witnesses. Right. And the most famous of these, which I'm going to talk about quickly, is the Kecksburg UFO case. I don't know if you've heard of this. Uh, I, I may have heard the term, but I don't know much about it. So this is a, a, a UFO occurrence that occurred in late 1965. Um, in and around the area of Kecksburg, hence uh, the name Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. which is ne- which is at the Chestnut Ridge, and basically what happened was uh, there were some radio reports of something strange that had crashed into a field into this in this area, and it had originally had been seen. It was a fireball that had been seen over Ontario, Canada, and it started making its way over Michigan, Ohio, and then eventually coming down into Pennsylvania. That's kind of quite a, a large area there. That's right. And as it was traveling across the sky as a blazing fireball, it was seen dropping hot metal debris uh, across across its pathway oh. as it was making its way. So not like a meteorite would. Uh, no, and and that that was one of the um, you know the, the theories was that it was just a meteor or a meteorite. What is it when it enters the atmosphere? I think it's a meteorite when it crashes. Okay. And it's a meteor when it is flying across the sky majestically. I see. I think. That could be wrong. So apparently, there there were eyewitnesses that saw this uh, this object crash into the wood line mm-hmm. and embed itself into the ground. It did not. It was not destroyed, mind you. It was seen to have an acorn shape to it, a large, uh, like a, this, about the size of a small car, mm-hmm. an upturned uh, acorn. So the witnesses, when it landed, the witnesses heard. Uh, can I stop you for a moment? What? You said an upturned acorn. What does that also look like? In our, that if you had to reference back to the some, Nazi bell, the Nazi gl- der Glocken. Oh, die Glocke. Yeah. Yes. Maybe that's what it is, man. So the witnesses, hundreds of witnesses, thousands perhaps, heard and felt it crash, and and basically saw wisps of blue smoke when it hit when it hit the ground. Wisps. Uh, uh, <laughs> you did a nice wispy sound. So within hours, and this is documented, within hours of this crash occurring, military the military overran the area around Kecksburg. Yep. Coming in with trucks and uh, personnel mm-hmm. and Geiger counters, yep. and they were searching the area. A Geiger counter counts Geigers. And they were checking for the uh, the object, and apparently they found the object. Uh, and the many, 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 many witnesses saw all this stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And they took this. Oh, and they were TV and radio reports, by the way. Ooh. So this was this was actually they were reporting on this as it was happening in real time. Hmm. So it's not like it was just made up or it happened in some uh, obscure area that nobody can really prove that it happened. Right. Uh, hundreds of eyewitnesses. They put this thing on the back of a like a five ton or something, right? And a truck. You ever been on a five ton? Yeah, a few times actually. Yeah, no fun. It and, bumps uh, a lot. They put a giant tarp over it and they drove it out of town, never to be seen again. So they don't know. They're not quite sure what exactly. Uh, they sold it on eBay. Happened. Happened huh. to that. 
1965. You know what? Can I stop you there? Yes. The fact that the military organized such a, um, well, had such a well-organized effort to recover this craft within hours of, uh, of it being seen lends me to believe, leads me to believe, I should say, that it was a experimental military aircraft and they were ready for it to, you know what I'm saying? Like they maybe, maybe they weren't sure where it was going to land or crash, but they, you know, they were, they were the people that were supposed to go get it. Well, a couple different things. That's possible. It could be, maybe it was a, uh, you know, a, a space capsule that had been launched that was coming back to earth. Cause normally, you know, what they do is they, uh, you know, they land them in the ocean. That's what they were doing. They was land. They were landing them in the ocean. Yeah. You, you know, you've been in the military. Mm-hmm. I've been in the military. What does the military do when it comes to uh, uh, any type of organized activity? Uh, they usually they yell at you. They yell at you, and then you end up waiting for an inordinate amount of time. That's right. Uh, so it takes forever to do stuff. To muster, uh, like if they just—that's the thing. If they had just gotten a report that something crashed, it wouldn't have time. To it would have taken them everybody. forever to right. get people together over there. Oh, you know, you get a call over to the barracks, and you got to get those people. Out. You got to get the uh, the uh, the local women out of the barracks because they're not that's supposed right. to be in there, and they're all they're all strewn about the place. Yep. Everybody's got to sober up, put their underpants back on, they're scrambling or find their boots. Yep. And then they got to get to uh, get the formation. Oh, and then Billy Joe uh, E three Billy Joel doesn't have a, a haircut. He's got to go get a haircut. He didn't shave. He didn't shave. His belt is missing. No, he's unsat. He's going to get gigged. He's, he's in trouble. So anyway, the point is, is that the military doesn't just all of a sudden, can't they just spring to their feet in no. that case and come and recover a craft? Unless they were ready. They were ready or they were, you know, they had been tracking it and they were waiting right. for it to come down. Yep. They just weren't sure where it was going to come down. They had a general idea because they had been, they had yeah. basically been put on standby is right. what had happened. Right. So fast forward to the next year, the spring of 1966. Mm-hmm. The UFO sightings continued with a documented case of a woman who was awoken by her dog who was, was barking feverishly, uh, and she went to go let the dog out because she thought that the dog maybe had to go relieve himself. Oh, she let the dog out. She let the dog out. Oof. So anyway, she goes outside and she sees a silver object hovering cool. above the roof of her house oh. for several minutes, obviously, and, and, uh, and then all of a sudden it just blasted off straight up into the sky. And that's a common theme with some of these uh, UFO sightings in the area. What's that? Is that, that that's what they people see? They see the silvery oh, they see craft, a silvery craft hovering. You know, maybe eighty to hundred feet off the ground, yep. and then moving different directions, and then takes off straight up into the uh, up into the sky. Right. So, strange happenings are not limited to the UFO phenomenon in this place, which is what makes it all the more weird and creepy and strange. Right. So, hairy hairy covered man beasts are being are reported all going all the way back to the eighteen hundreds. Sure. Uh, this newspaper reports of a of a hairy bipedal. A uh, man creature chasing and scaring people in the wood line. <laughs> and this. And stealing their underpants. That's right. So in the late 1960s, a young man by the name of Stan Gordon, an intrepid young man. Stan Gordon, that's a strong name. Was, uh, he decided that he was going to uh, create a group that would investigate all of these things. Mm-hmm. And so he, they were the repository of all of these cases. And people would call them to, uh, to go out and report these different things. Right. So uh, he, he's actually, he, I think he's still around. And uh, you can contact Stan. Maybe we'll get him on the program. That'd be cool. And he can talk about what he's what he saw out there. But everything came to a head in 1973, maybe because of some uh, supernatural event, or maybe because the hallucinogens were running <laughs> rampant in the Chestnut Ridge area yes. and the moonshine and all that stuff. But who knows? So there was a huge influx of UFO and Bigfoot sightings. And a lot of people think that Bigfoot and UFO are separate supernatural events, right. paranormal events. Well, they seem to have some some uh, a lot of overlay, though. That's correct. 
So what's that about? That's correct. So that's actually one of the things, one of the uh, the phenomenon that took place here at the Chestnut Ridge. Maybe the aliens are actually big feet. So there was a report of an older lady uh, who had looked out and she saw Bigfoot out of her uh, out of her double wide. Mm-hmm. Apparently, they're always at a double wide. And it decided that it was going to this Bigfoot was gonna was gonna grab the end of her double wide and try to pick it up off the cinder blocks. And we all know what happens when you shake a double wide. Yeah, we do. You ever been in a double wide? If this double wide's a rockin', don't come a knockin', baby. I was, uh, I had been, I had been, uh, I had met a young lady at a drinking establishment long ago in mm. the mountains of, or not the mountains, but the mountains. Uh, semi-mountainous regions of uh, different states. <laughs> and she took <laughs> me were back. Mo- mountain dwellers? <laughs> and she took me back to her double wide. Really? And uh, I don't think I've ever been in a double wide. And it wide. was inhabited not just by her, but by other strange... Mm. Uh, creatures, strange individuals, smoking on, sitting on milk crates, and doing all kinds of weird stuff. Smoking the camels. I'm not quite sure how I made it out of there alive, mm. or or without a disease, or maybe you have one. That's right. So UFO sightings and Bigfoot sightings were happening in the same area around the same time. So culminating in a couple different events. So on September 27, 1973, a hairy man beast. Mm is seen running into the woods holding a ball of light in his hand. Ooh. Believe it or not, by a few different He's witnesses. Holding a ball of light. Shortly thereafter, a UFO appears and projects a beam of light right down to where the Bigfoot was. I told you. Located. The Big Feet's are piloting the air, the UFOs. That's right. You don't know. Just because they look like Big Feet doesn't mean that they... Look at Chewbacca. Chewbacca could fly the Millennium Falcon and he looks like a Bigfoot. He could. He was uh, a lot. He was, an, a, a, he was a highly intelligent uh, species of Big Feet. A Wookiee. A Wookiee? Is that what they call him? Yeah, he's a Wookiee. There's oh. a whole planet of Wookiees. There is? Yes. Oh. I don't really. I'm not really big into Star Wars, but you know. You seem to know a lot about Chewbacca, though. That I that he was a Wookiee. Every idiot knows that he. was You have a, a full size Chewbacca costume that you get up into, don't you? Only on Saturdays. But it has the. Uh, there's one small difference, though. It has the buttocks cut out. <laughs> there's no buttock area. <laughs> there's a panel. <laughs> so in October 1973, several young men that were hanging out at a farm, uh, they saw a large ball of light. Come, they were drinking moonshine. Come down out of the sky. And it started hovering about 100 feet up off the ground and then started moving again towards the ground. Mm-hmm. A lot of eyewitnesses to this one. They saw big that big orange ball was coming down. And so uh, a young man with these uh, two young boys decided that he was going to go investigate this. So what does he do? He grabs his old Pappy's 30 yacht 6 Because mm-hmm. why not? you got to have some protection. You don't know what the hell's going Pretty on Pretty big there. round there. So he sees this ball of light come down. And then he sees a glow appearing out of the tree line. Mm-hmm. Then suddenly he sees a... Uh, another a tall, uh, strange, bipedal creature with red eyes ah. start walking along the fence line, right? They always have red eyes. So he's walking along the fence line, and then behind him is another one of these creatures, and they start walking towards their location, making strange noises. <coughs> Sounding much like a, a baby crying, a, a tortured baby of some kind. Ouch. So what does this uh, good, patriotic, red-blooded American do? Shoot at it! He shoots at Hell it. Hell yeah! That's what I would do. He fired a couple of rounds at it. He says he hit one. <laughs> Good for him. You know, the fundamentals of marksmanship never change, Jay. They mm. never change. Mm-hmm. So what do you think the creatures did? Uh, yelled? No, they didn't really do much of anything. Oh. All of a sudden, the lights went out, and all he could see was their red eyes, and they turned and started walking back towards the craft. I was going to say, did they start walking towards the guy? Because that's when he starts retreating uh, or tactic- nope. tactically redeploying. No, he didn't. He didn't go any further towards them. And they decided once they decided once they got f- fired upon by this thirty out six, which we talked about earlier. Yes. They decided to turn around and walk back to the craft, and off they went. They disappeared into uh, into nothingness. Well, you know, the moral of the story should be 
If you ever encounter something strange, you should shoot at it. That's right. Just to, you know, just in case. Well, I mean, look, let me ask you this though. I mean, you you uh, if you hear strange noises around your house, yes. If you think somebody's breaking in, yes. Or if you see hairy bipedal man creatures <laughs> peering in your windows, yes. Aren't you going to get a firearm? Yes, of course I would. But you know, you always have to know, you always have to know what you're shooting at. That's right. You don't want to just shoot it indiscriminately at things. No, you have to always uh, clearly identify your target, right? And, and make sure it. that deadly force is authorized, right? Otherwise, you're going to find yourself in a big heap of trouble. You're going to be in the brig, man. So, seventy three, seventy four time frame was the peak of this of these events for some reason, but they still continue to this day. There, there's oh. been numerous UFO sightings mm-hmm. uh, over the course of the past forty years as well uh, in that particular area. So you wonder, is it much like the Skinwalker Ranch? Well, again, you, there there tends to be an overlap of UFO activity and um, and and like Sasquatches or, or right. otherworldly or, or strange creatures, not just in those two places, but we've talked, I don't, I don't think we've discussed it in detail, but here in our own area, the Bridgewater Triangle right. uh, in Massachusetts is a hotbed of UFO activity and also Sasquatch activity. Mm-hmm. So what is the correlation? How are they related? Well, like we said earlier, maybe, maybe it's just the thinning of the veil uh-huh. and uh, all these things, they, they come together at the same time for mm-hmm. whatever strange reason. Or the big feats of pilot in the aircraft. Mm. Or... They're uh, they're all part of other dimensions or realms or whatever the case may be, and uh, as you say, that's where they come over. That's mm-hmm. why you see them there. But what are they doing? Who knows? Well, we don't know, and that's that's the mystery of it. So one of the other creatures too, which we I mentioned briefly, was the uh, the Thunderbirds. Oh, and the Thunderbirds are not just an Air Force aerial act. No, they are a, uh, a unknown bird that people describe as being a large winged mm-hmm. creature, much larger than any other bird that you may see. Mm-hmm. And uh, they come down, and they can rip you apart, and they can pick you up and take you away. Was well, that like the like the Mothman? Uh, yeah, but it's more like a bird, though. But a bird, not not like a strange. Oh, just and yeah, just abnormally large birds. I've seen some abnormally large birds flying about mm. that you don't, you can't quickly identify. Uh, I have a small dog. Mm-hmm. He is very fat and corpulent, mm. but um, I fear for his safety. No, no birds picking him up. You don't think so? It would have, no, he would have. It would have a hernia. You know. You know, you know what birds fly that are amazing to, to watch that you don't think would be able to fly? A turkey. The turkey. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And you know what? The reason I know that is because I, I live in a rural area, and we have turkeys uh, a lot in our yard. Mm. And they typically don't fly. They're typically just walking around. However, I have seen them spooked, and they can fly. Mm. Uh, they don't fly, like, really high, but they, they can get up into the trees there. They get up into trees? Yep. And, uh, you know... They, they, they are pretty scary looking. They wander around in a very uh, ominous and, uh, you know, f- uh, intimidating pack. Yeah. What is a pack of turkeys called? I don't know. A pod, maybe? A pod of turkeys? I don't know. A gaggle? That would be geese, though. Hmm. A group? A, uh, I don't know. I'm going to look it up right now while you're sipping I, on your beverage. I don't know what a what, what a uh, group of turkeys is called. I, I do know that there's usually a tom. A tom is the male turkey. Yes. And he's usually looking out for threats. He, uh-huh. doesn't, he doesn't really eat a lot when the other ones are eating. He's looking around uh, for anything that's going to go after him. And I know that turkeys do actually have a talon. Uh, on their foot that they could stab you with. They could dis- disembowel you with it. Yep. So a group of turkeys is called a rafter or a Ooh. flock. You could also call it a flock. Oh, well, flock is probably more accurate. A flock of turkeys? Oh, why, that makes why sense. Why do they come up with names for every, for different names? That's so stupid. What do you Just mean? Just name everything the same. What do you mean? Like if there's a group of animal, like group of lions, they call it a pride. No, it's a group of lions. So why do you got to call it all different names and get into all this well, you wouldn't say classification? You wouldn't say a flock of lions. That Would you stop stupid. labeling things? It's not a flock. Just call it a group. It's a pride. No. A pride. A Where does that even come from? Bird. Like, thing I've ever heard like flying creatures. Pride. Oh, because they're lions, they have pride. I know a bunch of lions. They're a bunch of jerks. Well, what they don't you have call? Any pride what would you pride. call a group of lions then? I would call them a group of lions. 
No, you have to have a no. I a, don't a clear Says concise who? word. No, this is nonsense. No, this is just trying people trying to be important and come up with names for things. It's a pride. They need to stop. It's a pride. Pride. You have no pride. Who's a gaggle of monkeys? What the heck are you talking about? It's not about? a gaggle. It'll be a, uh, uh. A, a a group. How come it's not a pride of monkeys? Because they poop in the hand and throw it at you. They don't have any pride. This whole thing is ridiculous. Well, you you enjoy poop, so. <laughs> Anyway. No, you got to stay away from the chimpanzees, though. Yeah. They're, you know what? People don't realize how strong primates are. Mm. A primate can rip you in half and beat you to death with your own, own arm. You know, there's that. There's stories of... Because uh, what happens is male chimpanzees can be very um, aggressive yes. and territorial, especially when it comes to uh, women, mm-hmm. women chimpanzees that are in heat and they try to defend their, their groups. And they're big like and they're, in heat. they're not the cutest little things that you see on TV. They're big and they're strong and they're dangerous and they're powerful. And what they do is... One of their moves is to uh, is to maim you. Ooh. If they get their hands on you and they're pissed off, they <laughs> grab your body parts and they rip them off. Oh my god! I'm serious. They rip off your your hands <laughs> and your great. fingers and your penis. There, there's uh, this record of that. You know what? People every once in a while, unfortunately, people think that you can have them as pets, chimpanzees mm. or or whatever. And every once in a while, there'll be one that attacks their owner, rips their face off or something. You know, it bothers me when I see people that have wild animals as pets. Yeah. It irritates me. And as a matter of fact, I saw a video the other day, and it was like, oh, oh it was so cute. Oh. It's a little baby deer and oh. a little baby grizzly bear. Oh, baby grizzly bear, In yes. somebody's kitchen, kissing and playing and rolling around. Until it, re- until it realizes I'm that like, it doesn't have to listen to you. Why do you have wild animals in your kitchen? Yeah, that's pretty stupid. And when the bear becomes a thousand pounds and decides he wants to eat your face. And now you can't stop him. You can't stop him. <laughs> Wild animals are left to be in the wild. I agree. That's why you have domesticated uh, furry creatures that you can play with. Anyway. And fish. You can have a fish. Are you done with your story now? a fish bowl. We're at the end of our program. Are we? Yeah. So what do you think about all this? Uh, Again, I think that there's there's strange areas of the the world, and we don't know. But there's been so many sightings and stories that you have to... At some point, you have to go, this is not made up. There is something there. What, What that something is... Is is the the core question mm. of anything that we talk about in this program? Because we never really know. There's always some sort of weird weirdness, unexplained uh, aspect to it. Well, the thing is, if you have one or two people reporting an incident, it's easier to dismiss. Right. Sure. But if you have a whole community and a group of people, now mm. it could just be a group hallucination. It could be like we talked earlier, the power of suggestion, right? Mm-hmm. So you hear a couple stories of things happening in this particular area, and now all of a sudden you're you're mentally predisposed to jumping to conclusions when you see a light in the sky or something, and then right. it gets reported as a UFO. Maybe that's what happened. Right. Um, I don't know. It's unknown. It's unknown, and it's strange. And it gives us material to talk about in this program. That's strange. You know what's going to be strange for me tonight when I drink a gallon of cheap wine? Mm. And then uh, and then some mysteries are really going to be abound. That will be strange. Yep. Do you have anything else you want to add? Nope. I think that we're, we're going to have another week off, though. I don't think we're going to have a show next week. Maybe, maybe not. Depends. Because you're going out of town. I'm going out of town. Uh, on a well-deserved vacation, family vacation, mm-hmm. and uh, I will come back with some cool stories, I'm sure. Is it much of a relaxing vacation when you have to drive with a van full of well, kids? Well, and that's the thing. See, everyone in my family is all excited to go on this trip, and, and I'm excited to go too, but I'm the one that has to drive everybody, Sure. so I won't get excited until I actually get to where we're going. That's right. Because then I can relax a little bit. How but, are they in the car? Is everybody fine to get uh, their electronics? usually okay, yeah. you know, for a few hours, but then if, if you go any longer than that, then they start... Crying and complaining and throwing stuff and becoming a big bunch, bunch of chimpanzees. That's the mystery, the, the biggest mystery of the universe right there. So, until next time, just remember, the truth exists. Believe it.